So, uh, as you saw in the video, in Easter, we actually passed out these orange cards, and it was a survey, and we actually asked you guys um, what you would like uh, to hear us preach about. So, we kind of tallied up, actually, some of the main topics. And so, what I'm actually going to do this morning is I'm actually going to answer two questions in one sermon. Um, So, the questions were simply this, how do I hear God's voice And how do I know God's will? And the reason that I'm putting them into one sermon is because you cannot know God's will if you do not understand how to hear God's voice. So if you can't hear, then you're not going to be able to discern what God's will is for your life. Now, I think a lot of people ask this question because um, they've got decisions to make, right? They've got some major life things that are going on, and they want to be sure um, that they're making a godly good decision. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Here's the problem, though. Um, I think many of us are absolutely convinced that, man, if I could just hear the audible voice of God, like if God said, move here, or take this job, or have another baby, or get married to this person, then we would believe that, you know what, I could just absolutely follow that with all assurance, and I'd be totally fine. The problem with that is, there's a story actually in the uh, Old Testament, and it's between uh, Samuel and Eli, and Samuel is a little kid, he's sleeping in this bed, and uh, all of a sudden, the audible voice of God calls out his name, and it says, Samuel, and he kind of startles, gets at this point, if it was me, I probably would have messed my pants. You know, if I heard a voice from heaven, I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And so he actually thinks that, hey, maybe Eli, my mentor, maybe he's calling me. So he goes out of his room and he said, hey, did you call me? And he said, no, I did not call you. Go back to bed. Um, like I do with my kids, like, dad, did you call me? Son, get back in bed or I'll whip your, you know what I mean? Uh, it was like one of those things. Do not wake me up. Do not disturb my sleep. So he goes back in, he goes back to sleep and he hears the voice again, Samuel. So he gets back out of bed, he goes back to Eli, Eli, hey, listen, I'm I'm telling you, you're calling me, I'm hearing a voice from heaven call my name, and it happens a third time, and he goes back, and at this point, Eli's like, okay, maybe it's God, and the next time you hear the voice, just say, speak, your servant is listening, and so here's the deal, the reason I share this story, because even though Samuel heard the audible voice of God, he didn't even recognize it. He didn't recognize it. He, he heard God's voice, and he had no clue what it was until somebody kind of steered him and guided him in the right direction. So here's the thing. What I want to do this morning is I'm actually going to break this message in kind of uh, two parts. I'm going to give you some theological things that you need to understand, and then some practical things that I think are going to help you kind of discern what God's will and help you understand God's voice. But first, what I want you to do, if you have a Bible, turn with me to uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on this big screen right behind me, and it says this. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. So let's pause right there. This is what this verse is saying. It's saying that we all have our own desires, right? We all have our own, maybe you're planning a vacation for next week. Um, Maybe right now you guys are thinking, Pastor Zach, you better not preach long. The saints are playing and I got chicken on the stove and I need to get home. And you're thinking about the next few hours or the next few moments. We all have plans for the future, right? But then it continues on. He says, uh, the author says, why do you not even, he says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And I love this line. He says, what? is your life. 
What is your life? So we, we have all these plans, we have all these desires, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with planning, there's nothing wrong with having some dreams, there's nothing wrong with having some desires, but the author is basically saying, hold on, time out, I want you to understand something. What is your life? See, a lot of us think life is like, it's full of decisions, right? And it is. What school should I go to? Um, should I get crispy or, or grilled? <laughs> well, the decisions that you, we have to make, and uh, he, the author is pointing back to saying, hey, what is your life? And then he continues this. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So in the Greek, this could literally be translated as like if you were to put a pot of boiling water on the stove, and you know the steam that comes out of that boiling water? He's saying, that is your life. That's how quick it goes. So he's, he's keeping us in, a, he wants to put us in this lane of, okay, I want you to understand that the temporal decisions and the temporal questions that you have about today or tomorrow are not necessarily the most important questions. The most important questions are the eternal questions. How is this going to affect my eternity? Not how is this going to affect tomorrow or next week, but these decisions that I'm making right now, how is this going to affect the rest of my life? And then he continues. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So, I set all this up to say this. Our will is supposed to line up with God's will. Listen, if you are miserable right now, if you're trying to find things out and you keep on making decisions and you find yourself falling short, it might be possible that you're not doing what God wants you to do. The reason that you don't experience joy, the reason that you don't experience peace is it possibly could be that your will and God's will are competing. So this is how James sets all this up. If you flip over to it, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screens. But 1 John 2.17 says this. The world and its desires. Okay, so all of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your plans for tomorrow or next week. And none of those things are bad. But here's the reminder again. Will pass away. Will pass away. But then listen to this. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who does the will of God lives forever. Forever. So we know this. This is not anything that I'm, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but everything that you work for, everything that you strive for, everything that we think is so important and that we have to have will one day leave us and will one day be gone and it won't matter anymore. But it says the man who does the will of God will live forever. Now, I know many of you are in here probably saying, look, that's great, Pastor Zach, but this is not why we ask the question. We ask the question because I'm in uh, a decision right now that I need to make and I need to know how to hear God's voice and I need to know how to discern God's will. So I understand that, but I want you to understand first before we answer this question, how short life really is. How short life really is. And it's not about necessarily decisions that you make today or tomorrow about what cheeseburger am I going to eat or, or should I take this job or that job? Ultimately, it's about eternal decisions. Like, hey, man, I'm struggling in here. And I'm struggling in my marriage and my family with my kids, and I don't know what to do. Those decisions are more important, and those are the things that really matter. But if we uh, took all the questions that were asked, and there was many that were asked, um, this one was 
uh, about 75% of you asked this question. Um, so the majority of people in this room ask that question. And I think that is because probably most people, maybe you're at a spot in your life right now where you have to make a decision. Um, I, I know people right now, spe- specifically in Louisiana, you know, um, the oil field is not doing so well. So some of you are at a point like, man, should I make a job change? Should I make a career change? Uh, should I go and work here and leave for a month or two? Or should I take this job? Should I look for a completely different job? This is not an easy decision to make. So some of us were in here and we were like, man, I can't make this decision on my own. I really need to hear from God. Or, or maybe you're in here, maybe you do work in the oil field and the, and the job's going well. And maybe your wife is looking at you and saying, I, I don't know if I can have you gone so much. Is, is there any way that you can change jobs? And I'm not trying to say this is a bad thing, but maybe this is what you're wrestling with right now. And so maybe that's on the front of your mind. Like, what should I do? Should I just make this decision to appease my wife and, and make things flow better and have more peace in our home? Or God, what do you want me to do? Now, as you get older, decisions get harder and harder, right? So um, when I was younger... It was, do I want to play basketball or football? <laughs> Which one? I'm not really athletic, so it wasn't either. <laughs> but it, do I want to play basketball or football? Or then when you get older, it's, okay, I finished high school. Do I go to this school or this school? Do I major in this or this? Do I take this job or this job? Or maybe you go through life and, and then you start asking the question, hey, who do I marry? Who do I marry? I used to think this, like God used to have like one person slotted out for me to marry. And if I married the wrong person, then like everything would kind of be out of whack because I was outside of his will. You know what I mean? You ever ask those questions? Or, or maybe how many kids should I have? One, two, five if you're me. <laughs> how many kids should I have? Or, or maybe you're struggling. Hey, man, we can't have kids. I want to adopt. I want to foster. I want to do those things. Should we do this? Or uh, I remember the famous question in about the first year of my marriage was, do we buy a house or do we rent a house? Like, we were poor. It wasn't poor. It was like, po. We were po. <laughs> it was like, do we rent or do we buy? Because I really can't do either. Um, so we have all these decisions. Or maybe you're in like this life-altering decision-making process. Do I get a cat? Or a dog? I can answer that question for you right now. Go with the dog every single time. I just want to throw this out there for all you cat lovers. They are the guardian of the underworld. So if you have a cat, you have a little demon running around in your house. I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. And all my dog lovers said, yeah. I had a cat. This is, I'm going to just be real transparent with you because I've never told anybody this before. Um, But I had a cat for about... Well, my kids had a cat. I didn't have a cat. Um, for about three or four years, and when we were living in Jennings, when we decided to move to Crowley, um, I already made up in my mind. I'm like, that cat's not coming. <laughs> it's just, it's not, I'm sorry, buddy, but you are not coming. I got a brand new house, and I'm not having cat hair all over my house. And so, uh, long story short, I left that fool in Jennings. Um, I uh, set up a person to take care of it, okay? So don't, don't worry, don't worry. Now, here's the deal. Let's get, let's get back on track. Um, most of you are in life-altering decisions. A lot of you are in life-altering decisions. Maybe not life-altering, but maybe some big, major decisions that could change the course of your life. 
And I think that the reason that many of you ask this question is because you genuinely want to make a godly decision. And so, I have to start here, okay? Before we get into any of the theology of how God's will works, we have to start here first. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Listen, you cannot hear from God, and you cannot know what God's will for your life is if you do not belong to Jesus. It's impossible. It's impossible. Let me put it this way. Um, If uh, sheep farmers they have a particular call that they have for their flock. So whether it's some that they may clap, um, some may whistle, some may have a certain sound that they make, and whenever they make that sound, their flock comes to that sound. Now, if a different shepherd was to go to a different flock and make his own sound for a different flock, that, those sheep or that flock would not come to his call. So what this verse is alluding to is saying this. Listen, God can say all these things, but if you do not belong to him, if you do not know Jesus, you're never going to hear it. You're going to miss it. So, so this is, I start off with saying this, this is an invitation if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't belong to Jesus, this is an invitation to know him. Because here's the deal, there's a difference between belonging to Jesus and believing in Jesus. Listen, um, in Louisiana, specifically in the South, like you can go anywhere. Anybody believes in Jesus. I mean, if you sit in a bar in Louisiana and you say you don't believe in Jesus, somebody is probably going to punch you. Like it's just everybody believes in Jesus, but not too many people actually belong to Jesus. They haven't submitted their will, their way, their desires, their thoughts, their passions. There's a difference between believing and belonging. The scriptures say that even the demons believe in Jesus. Um, Even the demons believe in Jesus. So the question that I have for you this morning is, could it possibly be the reason that you don't hear from God and you can't discern God's will for your life is because you simply don't belong to God? Maybe you haven't experienced that radical grace of God pulling you out of your sin and, and God pulling you out and making you new again. And so if that's you this morning, that's what we want you to experience. We want Jesus to grab a hold of your heart so that you can hear from God, so that you can discern God's will for your life. So before we jump into this, we have to get one thing straight. In order to hear from God and discern God's will for your life, you have to belong to Jesus. So as I said earlier, I want to break this message up into two halves. The first part is very theological, and the second part is going to be very practical. So... Let's start with the theology of how God's will simply works. And I believe that there's three different ways. Number one, the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. And and this is what this simply means. It's a big word for saying, what is God already doing in the earth? What is God already doing on the earth? So here's the thing. I think most people pray like this. Hey, God, here's some things that I want to do. Can you bless that? Can you bless what I want to do, my desires, my passions, my ambition? Can you bless that? When I think it kind of works the opposite way around, if you look at the sovereign will of God, what is God already doing on the earth? Because it's already blessed, and you need to get involved with what God is already doing. So let me give you a for instance. God's already working and moving in this church. Marriages are being restored. I've seen people come to know Jesus for the first time. All these stories. So it's obvious that God is already working here. So some of us just need to understand the sovereign will of God. 
Like, God, what are you already doing here on this earth that I just need to get a part of? Because if you're already working in this, then it's already going to be blessed and you're already going to be there. Here's the deal. I am at, this may sound offensive in some way, but I'm absolutely convinced of this. Every single person that serves on the dream team here at this church, I believe that they can hear from God a whole lot clearer than people that do not. I know that's a pretty bold statement, but let me explain why. Uh, I say that because these people are already involved with what God is doing. And it's already blessed. So God's hand is already on it, and they're just getting involved with something that God is already doing. See, God's will for our lives is never outside of his will. God is always up to something on the earth. So what can we look at and say, God, what are you already doing that I just need to jump in on? Like, hey, I'm in. God, you're, you're, you're moving here. I'm in. Number two, the moral will of God. This simply means what God has already said in his word. What has God already said in his word? See, God is extremely vocal um, on certain topics, on many topics within the Bible. Um, God will never have a will for you that would contradict his word. So here's the deal. Many of us need to take this thing, it's called the Bible, and wipe the dust off of it and begin to read it. Um, The Bible, let me me say this. If you're in here and you're in a decision-making process of, hey, um, should I leave my wife? Should, should I leave my husband? Um, the Bible is actually very clear on, on, reasons, on reasons that you can leave and reasons that you can't. And so some people are sitting here contemplating, trying to figure out, like, should I do this? Should I not? And the question is, what does the Bible already say? Because the truth is, the Bible actually answers a lot of questions that probably many of us are already asking. And number three... The personal will of God. This is what God desires for my life. This is the question that everybody is asking. So what does God desire for me to do? What does God desire for me in this life? Um, But here's the truth. The more I get to know the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God, the better I will discern the personal will of God for my life. So let me explain this as simply as I can. So for me... When it came to starting this church, it was a very easy decision to make. And that is only because of two things. One, the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God. Meaning, God was already working in Jennings. God was already working in Eunice. God was already working in Lafayette, Opelousas, and Broussard. And already doing a great work in there. So it was obvious that his hand was already on our Savior's church. Then... I go to the Bible, and and inside, I'm feeling like, man, I have this deep longing, this passion to to start a church, okay? Then I go to the Bible, and I see that, man, Jesus lays down his life for the church. He loves the church, so I think that these are good desires to have. So God's moving at OSC. God loves the church. Then it's a really easy thing to confirm my desires and my passions already. Yes, let's start OSC Crowley. So you see that? The more that you understand what God already has his hand on, what God already confirms in his word, then it helps you to make those personal decisions and what God desires personally for your life already. So before we jump into some of the practicals, which I think are really going to help a lot of people, I have to ask two questions. Number one, 
what am I doing that I should not be doing? What am I doing that I should not be doing? Listen, a lot of us in here are Christians, okay? We're saved. We, we know Jesus. But the reason that we have a hard time hearing from God or discerning the will of God for our life is because there are things in our life that are cluttering God's voice or kind of muting God's voice. This is a question that you should ask yourself daily. And what am I doing that I should not be doing? Or, or better, a better way to say, what am I doing that would possibly break intimacy between me and the Holy Spirit? That would make it hard for me to be able to hear from God. So maybe it's a particular sin. Maybe it's something that every time you turn back to it, you know it's wrong, you know you shouldn't be doing it, but you keep going back to it, and then you go and you try to pray, and you try to have time with Jesus, and it just seems like, man, it seems like you're praying to a brick wall. It just seems like you're not getting anywhere. It seems like you can't hear anything. And could it possibly be that we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing? Or maybe that we're doing something that just grieves the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. I'm absolutely convinced... Um, through the Bible, that there's absolutely nothing that you can do on the face of the earth that would ever separate you from the love of God. Ever. The Bible is explicitly clear on this. But I'm also quite confident that there is many things that you can do that can break intimacy between you and Jesus. So the best way that I can explain this is, um, my wife and I, um, it's a marriage. We love each other. It's a covenant that we made. I, I did a wedding yesterday and uh, I explained the difference between a contract and a covenant. A contract marriage is something that if you want to get a divorce, you can tear it up and it's, it's done with. Um, a covenant marriage, you actually have to go through counseling. There's six months that you have to go, and it's a whole big ordeal to actually get a divorce. It makes it a lot harder. It makes you think about it, and a lot of times it can end up saving marriage. Um, but here's the thing. In marriage, um, love is not based on an emotion. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's based on a commitment. Hey, I feel this way right now. So sometimes because of my wife and I, we might get in an argument or we might, not, we might disagree on something. Um, it breaks that emotional feeling that we have. It breaks that kind of down. Like, I literally, I don't feel like looking at you right now. I don't feel like loving you. I don't feel like serving you. I don't feel like doing any of those things. But what happens between me and my wife? I'm not going anywhere. I'm not happy with her. I'm not pleased with her. She may not like me, and I may not like her in the moment, but at the end of the day, there's still this covenant between us that we made between me and God, so we're not going anywhere. And so this is what sin does in our ability to hear from God. Ultimately, yes, there is still this covenant between us and God, but the reason that we can't vertically hear from God anymore is there might be things in our life that we shouldn't be doing that are blocking us from being able to hear from God. So let me give you this example. I, I talked to some guys. Um, I'll just share with you a personal conviction of mine. I love movies, okay? I don't see that many anymore when you have five kids. You just, you don't really go to the movies anymore. It just doesn't happen. But I love movies. Um, I love film. I love art. I love all those things. Um, and there's a lot of movies that I would love to go see. Just absolutely love to go see. Seems like it would be a great creative movie, all this stuff. Um, but every single movie, before I go see it, I read about it. And um, I don't necessarily, if it has a few, you know, curse words in it, it doesn't bother me. If it has violence in it, it doesn't bother me. Sex scene in it, I'm not going to go see it. Just not going to go see it. 
Um, I'm, I, I just can't imagine uh, Jesus sitting right next to me watching this play out. Uh, or better yet, um, it, it's always a terrifying thought of having my wife sitting right next to me watching this play out on the screen, and then I'm totally okay with it. So here's the deal. It's little things like that. Is it a sin to go see a movie? No. But it might be really stupid to watch certain things, and you don't even realize it, but it's breaking intimacy between you and Jesus. So here's the thing. The reason that I say that we need to ask this question, are there things that I'm doing that I should not be doing? Is because there may be things that we're doing that we don't even know we're doing it. Like you ever walk out of, maybe it's you walk out of the movie and you're like, man, I don't know why I feel this way, but I do. Or I don't know why I don't feel close to God right now, but I just, I don't. Are there things in our life that we're doing that we should not be doing? Number two, what am I doing that I should be doing? So what, or what am I not doing that I should be doing? So, so the question is, as I alluded to earlier, if God is already working here, it should be an easy decision for some of you. Okay, if God is already moving here, then it should be an easy decision to just jump on board. Here's the truth. Many of us just need to get involved with what God is already doing, and it will be much easier to hear his voice because he's already there. He's already there. Look, my dad and I, and I've been vocal about this before. I mean, my dad and I don't always agree on everything. We just don't. Um, You can probably see it in our communications. My my dad and I are just two totally different personalities. And for the majority of things, we, we agree. There's some things that we don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason that I've stuck around, even in our disagreements, is because God is already working here. And why would I want to step outside of that? So let's get practical for a moment. 1 John 4.1 says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. So that could be translated as do not believe every impression. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So today, here's what I want to do. Six practical things. I want to give you six questions that you can filter almost every decision through. And it should help you to be able to discern God's will and be able to hear God's voice. Number one is this. Am I in right relationship with God? Am I in right relationship with God? So here's the deal. Are you making decisions right now because you have the peace of God? Or are you making decisions right now because you're bitter, you're hurt, and you want to seek revenge on somebody? And you want to hurt them back? See, if you're making those decisions like that, then chances are, There's something off in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you realize this, but every outernal action that you do is a reflection of what's going on internally. Always. Always. Like when I find myself when I'm short with my wife or my kids or just my attitude's off or maybe I'm, I'm depressed a little bit or whatever, it's always a reflection of my internal relationship with Jesus. Always. And the truth is, your relationship with Jesus, if it's not right, then all of your decisions are going to suffer. You're going to have a hard time hearing from God. You're going to have a hard time discerning what God's will is for your life. So here's the truth. Hearing God's voice and understanding his will for our lives becomes easier as we develop a relationship with him. So so this is why prayer is so important. Talking to God, this is why reading the Bible is so important. 
This is why coming to church is so important. This is why getting involved in a group is so important because ultimately it helps us move in the right direction in our relationship with Jesus. Here's the truth. If you know Jesus, you belong to Jesus, if you pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus, you'll be able to hear from Jesus and you'll be able to discern what his will is for your life. You'll know what his voice sounds like. You know what it sounds like. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And get this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want you to watch the next verse that follows. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's the deal. The way that we can discern God's will for our lives and hear God's voice is by renewing our mind every single day. I've used this example before, but I can't think of a better one. We're a lot like a guitar. Okay? Um, I used to play music a lot. And every time before I would get up on stage and lead worship or play a guitar or whatever I would do, I would make sure that that guitar was tuned every single time. Because if you don't, here's the thing. You can play all the right notes. You can hit all the right chords, all the right techniques. Your fingers can be in perfect placement. But as soon as you strum that guitar, it's going to sound terrible because it's out of tune. It's out of tune. Now, how does a guitar actually go out of tune? There's a few different ways. You can bump it. Anybody in here ever just get bumped by people? Man, you get bumped by your... Uh, she's not here today, so I'll say this, but the person that bumps me the most is my wife. <laughs> and I love her to death, but that's, marriage is designed to be like that. I tell people this all the time in marriage counseling. Like, If you want to rapidly be more like Jesus, get married. Just get married. Your wife and your husband will pull every selfish thing out of you. Everything. My wife looked at me at, at 3 o'clock in the morning last night, and she's like, can you help me with the baby? I haven't slept. And I'm like, woman, i got to preach tomorrow. I don't want to. Like, that's not what happened. I didn't do that. But um, it's like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Welcome to our Savior's Church. Um, but, but here's the deal. Every single day, just like that guitar before you get up on stage, you got to tune it so that it'll sound right. Every single day day you have to renew your mind if you renew your mind and your heart and your spirit every single day by spending time with jesus you will be able to better hear and understand what god's will is for your life what it is we all have to be retuned a lot of us are like all of us are like instruments we get bumped you ever wake up in the morning and, and like for the first five minutes it's going great and then all of a sudden you don't even know how but it's like all this junk just enters into your mind some of the, like, the, the most horrific thoughts come to me when I'm reading the Bible. Like, wh- what is going on? Like, I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to spend time with Jesus and all these terrible thoughts in my head. So number one, am I in right relationship with God? Number two, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Some of us need to dust off the old book and give it a read. Here's the crazy thing. In today's age, there is absolutely no excuse as to why you can't read the Bible. Because here's the deal. Even if you can't read, you can listen to it. Um, they, even, they even have a Bible now. I, I can't remember what the app is. It's a Bible app that literally reads the Bible to you, and it has, like, background music to it. 
like back, like, like as soon as the intensity of the scripture goes, it's a little bit more intense. Like the voice gets more intense and the voice is like Morgan Freeman. Cause we all know the voice of God sounds a lot like Morgan Freeman, right? And it's like this deep voice with this amazing soundtrack in the back. Here's the deal. Like if you struggle with reading, like if it, whatever it is, like pop some headphones in. A lot of you guys work offshore and you drive four to six hours. Instead of listening to George Strait, listen to your Bible. Just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. There is no reason in, in the world that we live in today as to why you can't do it. My, my, my kids have an app on their little iPad that they literally, it's like they can read the Bible themselves and they can't read. It's just like clicking pictures and it talks to them. There's no reason. There are way too many Christians in here, specifically today, that are so confused about a particular topic in their life, and if they just picked up the Bible, they would get clarity. They would get clarity. Listen, it's not enough just to say, yeah, I believe in that book. Every word. Have you ever read it? No, but I believe every word. Every word. And I hear so many people say, I wish I could just hear from God. I wish I could just discern what God's voice is and what it sounds like. I wish I could hear God's voice. You know what my answer is? You can every single day if you open the Bible. Like, I, we believe that the words that are in that book are God's inspired words. Everything in there is exactly how God intended it to be. There's not a mistake. Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. It's talking about the Bible. It will never fail you. Listen, there have been mornings when I get out of bed and there is absolutely nothing inside of me that wants to spend time with Jesus. Nothing. I've gone two, three days not reading my Bible, having a hard time praying, getting in a funk, just struggling. But here's the crazy thing. Every single time, every single time that I open the Bible and I discipline myself to read it, God speaks to me. It never fails. There's always one word that stands out to me or one verse that stands out to me or something that God convicts me of, presses on my heart. So number one, am I in right relationship with God? Number two, what does the Bible say? Number three, what would Jesus do? You guys remember the bracelets? WWJD doesn't mean what would Jack Daniels do. It means what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I remember when I was in fifth grade and we used to wear those bracelets. I thought I was the coolest thing on the face of the earth. I got my WWJD bracelet. I am cool. Until I realized it wasn't that cool anymore. What would Jesus do? The, The whole intention behind the bracelet was simply this, right? You wear the bracelet. You're in a conflicting situation. You don't know what to do. You're supposed to look at it and say, okay, I'm about to make a decision that could probably be bad. What would Jesus do in this moment? Here's the deal. I think most of us fly by the seat of our pants, right? It's not, we don't ask, hey, what would God do in this situation? You're like, I just need to make a decision. So, uh, okay, go. Or better yet, this is gonna, I think the new Jesus is Facebook for most of us. The new Jesus for most of us is Facebook. Instead of going to God, instead of spending time with Jesus, 
Instead of asking the question, what would Jesus do? Instead of praying, instead of reading the Bible, we just simply get on and we post a status. What would you do in this situation? And we get a bunch of responses and we pick the best one that we like. Or, or have you ever done this? Like you, you get to the Bible, you're like, God, I don't know what to read. <laughs> and like you read it and then you flip through and you don't know what to read and you just kind of point. Like God doesn't want us to make decisions like this. He, he wants us to hear him. He wants us to know his voice. So what would Jesus do? So if you make a decision, if you have a life-altering decision that you're in right now, or even just a, a big decision that you have to make, could you honestly say if you made that decision that Jesus would support it? Like if Jesus in physical form came down today and you had to pass the decision by him, You had to look at him in the eyes and say, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm in full confidence that you would support me. Could you make that decision? Um, James 3.14 says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, he's talking about if you're making decisions on your own, this is what's going to happen. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. So he's saying when you do it on your own, when you don't ask the question, what would Jesus do in this situation, this is what you get. When you begin to learn to ask this question, this is what happens. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. These are the decisions that we start making. Man, when we start checking our relationship with Jesus, when we start going to the Bible, when we start asking those deeper questions. Number four, this is the one that nobody in here likes. Okay? Nobody in here likes this one. Number four, have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel. Let me ask you this question. Do you have someone in your life that loves God and you can go to to ask godly wisdom? Now, let, let, me, let me say it this way. I'm not saying that person should make the decision for you. Okay? I'm not saying that you go to them and they give you an answer and you just do what they say. That's, that's not how godly counsel work, works. It's counsel. It's saying, do you have somebody that you can go to that loves Jesus? Key word, loves Jesus. Not just anybody, not just a friend, not just a stranger, not just somebody at work, but somebody who's going to point you in the right direction. Do you have somebody that can pray with you? Do you have somebody that can ultimately cry with you and love you in hard times and making deep, difficult decisions? This is why groups are so important. Listen, if you're a part of a group in here, you may think, hey, man, we have fun, we eat, we play games, we do all this stuff, and all that stuff is great. That's not the reason that you go. You may think it is in the beginning. That's not the reason you go. The reason you go is because it's a place that you can have conversation about Jesus, about the deeper longings of your heart. Because as you grow closer to one another, you begin to open up, and now it's a place for you to be able to go, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. This is why groups are so important. Decisions are much easier to make whenever we learn life together, when we live life together. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says this. 
For lack of guidance, listen to this. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. Sure. Many advisors make victory sure. I never make major decisions in my life without first seeking godly counsel. After I feel like I've heard from God, I've gone to the Bible, I've asked that question, God, what would you do in this moment, in this situation? When I feel like I have clarity on something, then I always go to godly counsel. Hey, I just want to weigh this. I just want to pass this by you. What do you think? I feel like this is what I'm hearing. I feel like this is what God's calling me to do. This is what God's leading me to do. What do you think about it? And it's always helpful. Always helpful. Sometimes I listen to it, and sometimes I say, hey, thanks for the counsel, but I'm still going to make this decision. We have to have godly counsel. And the only way that that happens is if we learn and understand to get in community around other people. Number five, this one's going to be a little bit tricky. Do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? Meaning, when you make a decision, a big decision, can you sleep well at night? Can you lay your head on the pillow and say, you know what, God's in this decision. I'm full of peace. I know this was the right decision. I know God's behind me. I know it was a good decision. Because here's the deal. Living in God's will and hearing God's voice is not frustrating and it's not confusing. Living in God's will and hearing the voice of God is crystal clear. Now, it does not mean that it's going to be easy. It, it, It can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be stressful. But it's not confusing. It is absolutely crystal clear. Like, I know for a fact that I'm supposed to be doing this. There's no confusion on this part. Now, it does not negate the fact that it can be difficult and it can be hard at times. 1 Corinthians 4.33 says, I love this verse, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. He's the author of peace. He's not confusing. He's the author of peace. Now, the reason I say that we have to be careful with this one is because I kind of learned this the hard way a few weeks ago. Um, I recently spoke with a woman who came to me and she said, Pastor Zach, I have a peace on leaving my husband. Okay? Explain to me the situation a little bit. She's not in this church, so (laughs) some people are like, who is it? (laughs) None of you in here. Um, So she comes to me, I have a peace about leaving my husband. Oh, by the way, I have a peace about leaving my kids as well. And so... um, And ultimately, I could already see in the question that she was asking, she was wanting to get approval from me to be able to make this decision. She wanted me to say, you know what? I agree with that. Go ahead. That's what she wanted. And um, so I started asking her a series of questions. And uh, ultimately, it came down to the fact that she wanted to leave her husband, not because of her husband hadn't had an affair on her. He wasn't unfaithful to her. He was just a selfish, lazy guy. And she found some other young dude that loved her for a little while and looked like he take, took care of her. By the way, that's how it always happens, right? It, it looks, listen, the grass is never greener on the other side, ever, ever. As soon as you step over, it might feel greener for about a month or two, and then it is pretty black and terrifying, and oh my God, what have I done? It's never greener on the other side. 
And, and the way that culture and the way that the world works is it wants you to live into this fantasy that if I could get out of this life or out of this relationship or out of this marriage, then my life would be so much better. And it never is. And so I looked at her and I basically said, look, the peace that you have right now does not come from God. It doesn't come from God. Because God will never contradict what is in the Bible, ever. So here's the deal. The Bible is clear about, hey, divorce is permissible if your spouse has had an affair. Okay? But here's the deal. Even though God says it's, that you can do this, it doesn't mean it's always the right decision to make. Now, listen, I'm not saying in here, if that's you, you're like, man, I've had a divorce or I've been through this. Listen, God's grace covers that. Okay? God still loves you and God's still going to work with you. All right? God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. We can move on. Okay? What I'm saying, though, is in this, is some people, the only reason they feel a sense of peace is because they've come at this moment of such just great pain and despair, and they think the grass is going to be greener on the other side, and that is somewhat the peace that they're holding on to, and it's not necessarily a peace that comes from God. Listen, just because, and I told this lady, I said, just because if your husband did have an affair on you, And even though you might have the right to leave, it does not mean that it's always the right decision. Because here's the thing that I have learned over the past few years is that God's redemptive grace is always so much better than you just walking off. So much better. So much better. Last but not least, number six. And if I only had three minutes to do this entire sermon, this is exactly where I would have started, right here. Number six, is it my will or is it God's will? Is it my will or is it God's will? See, if you want to mature in Jesus, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, ask yourself that question every single day. Some of the best times that I have with Jesus are taking a shower in the morning as I'm waking up. And I kind of have this little ritual that I do, the same thing that I almost, I pray almost the same thing every single morning, and I go through a few series of questions. And one of them is this, God, I pray that whatever I want to do today that does not align with you, that you would show me. And here's the thing, God always does this. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't really want the prayer to work. Just wanted to throw it out there, you know, I'm kinda, I want to be humble, God. Do we ask ourselves that question, God, what I want to do today, does it line up with what you have for me? Is your life about your desires, your pursuits, your ambitions, what you think is right? Is it about what you want, or is it what God wants? See, in Jesus' final moments, he actually models this for us. So right before Jesus is actually brutally murdered, crucified on a cross, beaten for you and for me, There's an event that takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's literally praying to the Father. And he says something that's very peculiar in a sense. He's like, it says, the scripture says that he sweated. He was in so much anxiety because he knew what was about to take place. That he sweats blood. I don't know if you've ever, you think you've been stressed out? (laughs) You're sweating blood. You're, You're pretty stressed out. And he says something along the lines, hey, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass by me, meaning if there's any other way that we can do this by me not having to die on a cross, I'll take it. 
I'll take it. And then he kind of finishes it off with saying this, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Listen, the reason I believe most people don't really want to live within the will of God, they just want God to bless their will. They just want God to bless their will. They want God to bless their ambitions and their desires. And a lot of times those never come to fruition until we can understand God, what are you doing that I need to get involved with and that can be, that, it, that is already blessed and that I can jump on board with that and then, in that moment, God begins to fulfill your dreams, your desires, and your ambitions because you're lining up with his will. See, Jesus didn't want to die a brutal, horrific death, but at the end of the day, it wasn't about him. Man, if he, if he would have never went to the cross, if he would have never experienced the crucifixion, crucifixion and the beatings and the suffering and all those things, then you and I wouldn't even have a chance. Like, not a chance. There'd be, there'd be no reason for this right now. Because I would get, this is how Sundays would look. Um, we're all screwed. <laughs> we're all screwed. Like, there's no hope. But it was literally because we have Jesus that says, hey, look, it's not about me. It's not about my will. I'll go through the pain. I'll go through the suffering so that there could be a bridge that God could satisfy his wrath. All those things. Listen, living within the will of God is always crystal clear. It's always good, but it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I was having this conversation the other day with a few of our guys. Um, you guys remember hearing uh, the quote-unquote American dream? American dream used to be simply this, like, you know, I want to grow up, I want to live in a nice house with a white picket fence, have a one dog, two kids, drive a nice car, retire at about the age of 65, and go collect seashells for the rest of my life. You know, live on the beach, some desert island somewhere, whatever, whatever. That was, quote-unquote, the American dream. Do all you can to earn things, and then just relax, just stop. You know what the truth is? I honestly don't think that's the American dream anymore. I don't think it's the American dream. Why? Because a lot of men, especially fathers in here, don't care about the family anymore. We just don't. Here's what the American dream is now, and what you have to be careful not to buy into. Work Make a lot of money, even if you have to sacrifice relationships in your life that really mean the most to you. Do it all. And then here's this. Gather all that you can so that you can live as painless as possible. Man, suffering? Oh, I don't want to experience that. Pain? Trials? Nope, don't want to do that. Americans are so good at trying to be so comfortable and they avoid pain at any possible um, thing that they can. They avoid risk. They avoid all those things so that ultimately they can live this, you know, satisfied, free, comfortable life. And really, at the end of the day, it's boring. It's not satisfying. You're not full of peace. You're not full of joy. You sit at your job and ask yourself, why do I do this? I don't even like what I'm doing. See, we have to be careful. The reason that some of us aren't experiencing the will of God is because we're trying to run away from things that may hurt. 
We try to run away from risk. One scripture, and I'm going to wrap it up in Luke 9, 23, says this. Then he said to them all, meaning every single person in this room, including me, if anyone would come after me, so if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So listen, living in the will of God is good, it's crystal clear, but it's not always easy. And listen, you can't run from it and you can't avoid it because there might be pain involved. There might be pain involved. I'm not going to go into all the details right now, but man, it seems like ever since we started this church, God's done some incredible things here, but it also seems like there has just been this extreme spiritual attack specifically on my family. Because God promises, hey, you're going to live with inside the will of God. Do you think the enemy uh, doesn't know that? Do you think he's going to do everything that he possibly can to just rob you from joy? So what is he going to do? He's going to throw some sickness in. He's going to throw some depression in. He's going to throw the, you know, brothers and sons that go off and do their own thing and break their mother and father's heart. He's going to do all that stuff. He's going to throw cancer in. Like living within the will of God was never designed to be easy. Because here's why. God allows suffering and hard times so that we can fall to our knees and realize I've got nothing else but you, God. I can't rely on myself because I'm in a situation right now where I don't have any answers within myself. So the reason that I'm coming to you right now is because I've got nothing else. So here's the deal. If you want to live within the will of God, you have to be willing to embrace risk, pain, and suffering. And at the end of the day, that's how, you invo- that's how you get joy, peace, satisfaction, and eternal life. I joke about it all the time, but it's so true. The 12 men that changed the world, that followed Jesus, you know what Jesus promised them? Eternal life and death. You want to follow me? Every single disciple, except with the exception of John, was killed, murdered, crucified, beaten, stoned, boiled alive. <laughs> Like, dang, Jesus, like, we, we followed you. Like, we built the church. We did all these great things, and this is what we get. And then if you read some of the accounts of how they died, like, it was a great joy for them to suffer in the name of Jesus. What does Peter do? He says, listen, I'm not worthy enough to be crucified like Jesus was. Crucify me upside down. Just do that. Uh, Stephen, who was not a disciple, but he, he was not one of the twelve But it says in Acts, literally, when he's getting stoned, it says his face shone with the glory of God. So listen, church. You want to live within the will of God, you have to be willing to embrace these things. And I promise you, I I promise you, even though I'm living right now, and uh, this is the greatest time for my wife and I, we love this church. We love this church. We love these people. We love what God's doing. And because we love it so much and because we love Jesus so much, we have to be willing to embrace things that are going to try to throw us off a little bit. So I want to pray for you. But I also want you to know, some of you are in here, you you know, you want the question to be answered and then just, okay, practically that's what I need to do. So I'm going to go out here and do that. I gave you some practical things. But I also want you to be aware of what you're signing up for. 
It may be hard, but I promise you it's the best thing in the world. There is nothing greater than serving Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Let's pray.